Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another outstanding episode of For the Love of Money. This episode in particular is about to absolutely blow your mind because I'm going to sit down with my friend, Steve Weatherford. Yes, that Steve Weatherford, the one that you saw for 10 seasons in the NFL, the same Steve Weatherford that won the Super Bowl, the now famous bodybuilder and fitness icon that you literally see everywhere. But we are about to have one of the most open, real, and raw conversations that I've ever had on this show. Now, before we get into that, I want to invite you to go check out my Elite Business Mastermind for entrepreneurs that are stuck between 500,000 and 1.5 million that want to learn once and for all how to get into the multiple seven figures year after year after year. If this is you, if you're wondering when someone's going to come to your rescue, when someone's going to give you the tribe you're looking for to lift you up for one year, then go get on my 2019 waiting list. I know 2019 sounds far away, but it is right around the corner and interviews are starting soon. All you have to do is go check it out at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. All the details are there. Click apply, fill out the real quick application, and that will put you in line for a quick phone call between you and I to find out if this is a good fit for you. So if you're an entrepreneur that has been wondering when you're going to get your break, wondering when someone's going to grab you and lift you up for an entire year instead of you always doing it for everybody else, this is what you've been waiting for. Go check it out, fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. I cannot wait to see what your business goals are and jump on the phone with you. Now, jumping into this episode, get ready. Get ready because honestly, I don't think I've ever had such an honest and raw conversation with anybody yet in almost 200 episodes. You know what, what Steve is about to reveal is the journey he's going through right now. And I applaud him. Matter of fact, I look up to him for having the vulnerability and the honesty to talk about some of the toughest things that he has had to face yet and how he's getting through them. And because you're going to listen and find yourself in his story, you too are going to come out the other side a better, stronger human being in about one hour from right now. So get ready because not only is Steve known for his philanthropic efforts, not only is he known for his physique not only is he known for his entrepreneurial wins, but now he's about to be known as that loving, incredible father, husband, and man that is leading the way in order to make sure that all of us are able to show up as authentic and as real and as honest as we need to. So get ready because this episode is honestly about to change your life. Here we go. All right, Steve, my friend, this has been long overdue. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I'm I'm excited to uh, to be able to connect with you, man. I've been following you on social media, and we have uh, literally hundreds of friends in common that have been recommending us to each other for a long time, and it's uh, it's great that the stars are finally aligning. And to be honest with you, Chris. It couldn't be a better time to do a podcast with me because I've had so many revelations in my own life, just um, just been kind of on a vision quest and to be able to kind of uncover those and then to be able to share those in, in such an awesome podcast that I've benefited from um, so much in 2018 and you've been a part of my journey and you didn't even know it. So to be on the show, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. So I'm just super fortunate, blessed and thankful to be here. Man, Steve, brother, I can't even tell you how much that means to me to hear that because you don't know who's listening and you, you never know that people of your stature are listening to, to your show. You just keep pumping content out there and you, you hope it's changing lives. And when you hear this, it's, it's, it's what makes you keep going. It's what says, it's that pat on the back that says, good job. You're making a difference. And so that, that means the world to hear from you. Well, I appreciate that. And the thing is, like, you know, I exchanged text messages with um, our mutual friend, Lewis Howes, earlier today. And um, I was listening to one of your podcasts about kind of busting through your self-imposed or self-created ceiling um, two nights ago. And, and I text Lewis. I'm like, 
is this is this Chris guy? Is he the real deal? Like, is he what he seems? He's like, dude. Literally, the first thing he texts me goes, his heart is bigger than Texas. I go, that's all I need to hear, man. So, um, I'm just, I really am, man. I'm excited to be able to kind of like dive deep and talk about things that I really, really care about. Um, cause it's so many interviews I've done in my life, Chris have been about, um, achievements or, or failures because being an athlete and then becoming a professional athlete in the NFL for 10 years, it's, it's so much about the doing like the, when I say the doing, like what I did in a game or what I'm about to do in the next game or the success that I had or the failure that I had. I've done so many interviews and there's very, very rarely do I have an opportunity to talk about like who I am. It's always about like what I'm doing and not really who I am. And so I'm so thankful at this kind of chapter in my life to be able to talk about the things that I finally like I'm so passionate about. And it's like I'm evolving. And, you know, you and I were talking off the air before we hit the record button about, uh, you know, going back to our hometown because we're both Midwest guys. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, one of our friends will say to us, like, man, you've changed. And I'm like, to me, at first, when I first started to hear that, it, uh, it bothered me a lot. And then the more I think about it and the more I've kind of been on this personal journey of self-development and, you know, some, some of it has been not some of it, a lot of it has been healing has been, well, yeah, I've changed. Like if I am who I was when I was in like high school or when I was in college or when I was, you know, 23, 25, 27, I'm failing. I don't want to like, it's not that I don't like the person I was when I was 18 or 28. It's, like I only got, I only have one shot at life. Like Chris Harder only has one shot at life. And, and if we are who we were last week or last year, like, what are we doing? You know, I can't agree more. I, I feel like the joy is in transcending from point A to point B and then point B to point C and so on. It's not in getting somewhere. And, and let's do this. I don't even want to do the rapid fire because we're like already into it and we're already like, we have a connection here. And you touched on something that I was dying to ask you. So let's start with this first question to kind of take it up uh, a step from what you just said. You're known for, you know, as this legendary football player in the NFL, you obviously won a, a Super Bowl and, and went to the Pro Bowl, the whole nine yards. You played what? How many seasons? 10 seasons. God, that, I mean, that's a long career in, in, in the NFL. You're known now for your your body, your athletics, bodybuilding, and you know, the way people hold you up on a pedestal for all that. And I'm also going to add, you're known now as a, an extraordinary family man. You may not hear it enough, but those who are really watching, they see the kind of gentleman and the kind of family man that you represent yourself as. But outside of those things, these, these boxes that people put you in, what do you really want to be known for? I want to be known. It's such a good question. I, I really want to be known for, for being authentic. And I know that's kind of cliche, but a lot of my life I've lived kind of inside of the confines of what I thought I was supposed to be because you like, you know, when you, you get into high school and you see the varsity athletes or the popular kids in school you start to replicate how they act and, and the words they use and the way that they treat people because you you aspire to be that. And so you kind of assimilate into what those people are doing. So so now as a 35-year-old dad, I have five kids, you know, I've got two small businesses that are that are growing. Um, you know, just launched a podcast last week. And I don't want my life to be about the doing anymore. I don't want my life to be about things that I've done. I want them to be about things that I am. Like Steve is authentic, not Steve is on the cover of that magazine or Steve set this record or won this game. It's to me, it's so much less about the, the, the doing and so much more about the being. I know that's maybe for the listeners, it's not making sense. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful that, you know, by the end of our time on this podcast together, it's going to make a whole lot more sense because I'm still really trying to figure it out. And I'm, I'm fighting 30 years of instincts of, of trying to, to do something and, and do sports and, and do domination on, on the field of play or domination as an entrepreneur. But now I want it to, I want to 
be what people aspire to be because of, of how I act and, and how I love and how I give and, and the generosity and the, the caring that I give to people without having an expectation of receiving anything in return. You know, I feel like we've caught you at a really good time because you're transcending to yet another level. And I feel like you're most relatable, you figuratively speaking, meaning any human, it's most relatable, not once they've gotten somewhere, but while they're trying to figure out how to go somewhere. I feel like that's when we can most attract people, say, hey, I'm on my journey, come along, let's work this out together. Do you feel like there's value in sharing your journey as you're becoming this entrepreneur and everything else and kind of leaving the past that you're known for behind? Oh my gosh. It's, you know, and that's the thing. It's not, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier is, you know, doing ESPN radio interviews or TV interviews was, was always, always about kind of like what I had done. And very rarely do they do like human interest pieces on like, when you take your helmet off and you go home, like, what do you enjoy to do? Like, what what is your life about? Because, you know, playing sports comprises such a small percentage of my passion for life. And so much so that, you know, I retired from the NFL after 10 seasons, completely healthy. Um, and the only reason that I was that I had the confidence to walk away from really the only thing that I really knew was I was unhappy. And, and I haven't really shared this publicly a lot, but to be vulnerable, I always saw as, as weakness. And, and that's kind of, you know, the, that's how I was, that was how I was raised. Chris is, you know, well, you're a man, just get it done. Well, well, I'm sad. I'm, I'm depressed or I have anxiety and athletes don't ever share that. And, and, you know, alpha men don't ever share that. And I think, in general, I would say if you if you had to say one one industry or one sport was more like alpha than any other, it would be the National Football League. I mean, this is a league of 2,000 men. There's 32 teams, 52 guys on each team, and we are expected to be, and we are, the biggest, strongest men walking the planet, and we're able to do superhuman things. But what a lot of people don't realize, Chris, is – Dude, a, a, lot, a lot of us are scared to death. Like, I vomited before every single pro football game I ever played in. I played for 10 years. I played 16 games every single year, plus playoff games. So, altogether, I played 182 games. I vomited 182 times Come on. before those. Every I'm single not, game. Every single game. I, I, was, I had so much performance anxiety that. I couldn't keep my food down. So I would actually, you know, eat breakfast. And if it was a night game, the meal before, I would always make sure that it was food that wasn't going to give me heartburn when it came back up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, That's then, wild. and then after, and then after the first half, when you go back into the locker room, obviously like I needed energy. And so I would eat another small meal at halftime because I lost my, I lost my lunch figuratively and literally speaking before the game and um, people just don't, they don't know. And I wasn't the only one. We had another guy on our team. His name was Chris Snee. And uh, he's the best. And people probably don't recognize his name because he was an offensive lineman. But he's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And him and I used to share a puke bucket on the sideline. And no. we were, it was like a body clock. Oh. As, soon as, the, as soon as the national anthem was sang, I would like turn around. The butterflies would start churning. And my, I would start sweating and I knew it was time to, to go join Chris on the, on the bench and, and share a bucket while we vomited in it. And, and to be able to have a teammate that felt the same way that I did, but he was a hall of famer, honestly, it just gave me so much confidence that, that I wasn't alone. And that's kind of like my crusade right now, Chris. And that's why I launched this podcast with my wife is I want men out there to know that they don't have to struggle alone. Like they're not invisible. They don't have to cover up kind of what they feel are their inadequacies with achievements. And that's what I did, you know, because I was, um, I struggled with a lot as a kid when I was in seventh grade, I was, um, it's not really easy for me to talk about it, but I was a victim of sexual abuse. And because of that, 
I struggled with addiction my whole life. And uh, I'm here for you. And it's not, it's not real easy for me to talk about, but men need to hear that. They do. And I don't care. I don't care if they have gone through what I went through. People cope with things. And for me, it was achievement, but it was also alcohol. It was also women. It was sports. And so, like, when I was in, co- when I was in college, sorry. Don't be. Don't be. When I was in college, I wanted to conquer and dominate everything because if I was able to do that, people would celebrate me and they would, they would hold you up. And if they hold you up, it would make me forget about how I felt about myself. Mm. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, that's why I want to do the podcast because like conquerors and dominators, they don't, they don't talk about the stuff that when nobody's around and nobody's there to tell them how amazing they are, they don't, um, they don't love who they are. And it wasn't until probably about two months ago that I really like came to grips with that, that I am more than what I do. And so now hopefully the, the illustration of what I was uh, trying to describe earlier for the people listening to this, it's not, um, it's not about the doing because the doing will, it will keep you empty because as soon as you leave the ecosystem of, of people giving you the affirmation and the adoration or, you know, asking for autographs or, you know, any of the other stuff that makes you feel like you're more than what you are. As soon as that's gone and you're by yourself and you're with your own thoughts, that that machine of of self-hatred that you're not enough turns back on and it gets louder and louder and louder and and I really just I mean that's what I want to do. I I want I want men to know that, that it's it's okay to cry. It's okay to share things that scare you. It's okay to share things that give you anxiety. You're not weak for doing that. When you sh- when you have enough testicular fortitude to step outside of what's socially acceptable and share those things, the impact is atomic. And, and I'm experiencing this right now because I've done that and I was scared to death. And I'm still like, this is only the second time I've ever talked about it. And I still, I, it still makes me really uneasy. Um, but it's also allows me the opportunity to reach an entirely different group of men that are listening to this show right now. And I'm hoping that, um, that it's received the way that I want it to be received as authentic. Mm, I can, number one, I can assure you that it is being received that way. Number two, I I can't thank you enough for being honest and, and being vulnerable and, and being brave because there are way too many people, both men and women, that are just suffering inside, and, and they're trying to cover it up, whether it's with sports, whether it's with their body, whether it's with their looks, whether it's with their financial accomplishments, like this show talks about a lot. They're trying to cover up their insecurities. They're trying to cover up their fears. They're trying to cover up the things that are eating them alive, and they need people like you to stand up and say, it's okay to put this stuff on the table and talk about it. Let's stop eating ourselves alive. And so the fact that you're you're willing to do that, Steve, makes you the men among men. Would you agree? I mean, I, I'm just I'm so fresh at doing it. I mean, thank you um, for for saying that. I, I don't. I've gotten such great feedback from from stepping out and and talking about it. Um, but would I agree? Yeah, I, I would agree, but it's hard for me to really accept compliments because I'm still, uh, it's still new to me, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's a new sensation for me to be, uh, congratulated for what I used to think was, was weakness. weakness yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate that, man. And, you know, the more I sit here and, and try to accept that compliment, I, I do agree with you because I think the most, 
I mean, I feel like there's two different ways of, of getting people to take action in their life. Uh, one of them is, is very short lived. And I think that's motivating people, mm-hmm. you know, challenging people to, to get up and get off the couch and take action in their life. Um, that's short lived because as soon as adversity hits you, if you've been motivated and then adversity hits you or anxiety hits you or depression hits you, you can shut down. But if you, if you become inspired, that, that could last a lifetime. And I feel like when, when real men are, are vulnerable and authentic, that's inspiring because the root of the word inspired is, is to be in spirit and, and that, that can change a life. You know, I don't want to get somebody off the couch and get them to get in shape, you know, buy a program and then get in shape. I mean, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a good start, but I don't want to motivate people anymore. I want to inspire people. And, and when I'm able to sharpen my skill set and my sword and become more and more comfortable talking about these things, I believe that my my ability to inspire people is going to grow exponentially. And this is, I'm just very thankful, Chris, to have the opportunity to, to continue to, to get this word out and to continue practicing kind of being in this new skin that I'm in right now. And, uh, I still have tough days, but now I know that I, that I don't have to struggle alone and I can, I can talk to my wife about, it. I mean, I've been with my wife since I was 17 years old mm-hmm. and there's so many things that, uh, that I never shared with her because she always looked to me, as a source of strength. Sure, you had to and, be the man of the family, right? The stereotype? Right, yeah. So, you know, having five kids, you know, everybody looks to you for strength. They look to you for guidance. They look to, to you for protection and for wisdom and for comfort and for healing. I I can't show vulnerability because if I show vulnerability, then, then, they, then maybe they won't look to me for all those things, but... I, I was wrong all this time. So it's, it's fun for me because now I'm starting a brand new relationship with people and they're, they're actually getting to see the real, true, authentic me. And, um, and the, the best part about it is, is they love it. And mm. so it's, it's amazing feedback for me. Oh, I love this. I, and I love your, your difference between motivating people and inspiring people. You're right. Motivating is, is very short-lived and inspiration will make them run through a wall. I think inspiration, and you seem to be coming from a place of inspiration right now. Inspiration is what will make you do something for other people, right? Whereas motivation, you're kind of doing something for yourself. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ego in that. I mean, and that's the same thing for men, Chris. It's, it's our ego. A lot of the times is much more important than anything else because when your ego gets hurt, like there's a lot of people and, and I would throw my hat in the ring and say that was me as well. I would much rather have my leg broken than my ego broken. Mm-hmm. And um, physical pain is, is no big deal. But when you, when you get cut deep and you find out like who you really are and you're okay with that, man, I mean, it's like, it's free. It's like it's like feeling bulletproof yeah. because regardless of what happens in life, when you're comfortable with who you truly are, failures aren't really failures. They're just opportunities to to recalibrate, to learn, and to get back on the horse and go again. Um, it's not about well, I don't want to try this and fail because of people's judgments of me. You, you worry so much less about people's judgments and so much more about the impact you're going to have in their life. Steve, you could have just gone on in your life accomplishing really big things and, quote, motivating people through your accomplishments. And, and instead, you've taken this huge left turn and, and you're now coming from a place of inspiration and vulnerability and you're creating real change. But my question for you is this. Why now? Why all of a sudden? What, what gave you this calling? What gave you this responsibility? What made you finally go down the toughest path? I'm guessing you've gone down yet. Uh, about four months ago, um, I did cocaine for the first time. I was in a terrible place. I was just looking for anything and everything to, to help me just feel better because I selectively like took myself out of the ecosystem of concrete. Um, because there was nothing left for me to do in the NFL. So 
you know, you ask the question like, why now? Well, four or five months ago, Chris, I had five kids, millions of dollars in the bank, the car of my dreams, the house of my dreams, the wife of my dreams, you know, four beautiful, perfect daughters. And, and my son is my best friend. I didn't care if I woke up in the morning. Oh. I mean, I, I wasn't to the point where I wanted to kill myself. But if you told me, Steve, today is the last day in your life. Tomorrow, you're not going to wake up. I was okay with that. Mm. And I knew that wasn't right, but it was so painful that I knew if I didn't wake up, the pain would be over. And um, so, yeah, that, that's why. Because, I mean, it was almost, not almost, it was to the point that, and that's why I left the NFL because, you know, you talk about, you know, winning the Super Bowl or, you know, setting Super Bowl records or NFL records or, you know, becoming the, the highest paid at your position or, you know, Pro Bowl, all of those different accolades that honestly I thought were the most important things in the world. I did all of them, but I still felt the same. So it actually made me feel worse because I thought that those were the cure for my sickness and my sadness. Come to find out they weren't which makes you feel like, well, there's not a cure and I'm just going to have to live in this darkness and nobody knows I'm here. And my wife never knew that I struggled with any of these things. And the only medicine to make me feel better was achievement. And the, the, the scarier part of the scariest part of that is, was those achievements became harder and harder and harder and harder to the point that there was nothing left for me to achieve in the NFL. And so I decided to retire and, you know, to, to get into the entrepreneurial game and create something that, that was mine. That was all that, that, that was because of me, because where I was at mentally was Every time I would achieve, I would give all of the credit away to, you know, to my teammates or to other people. But then every time I failed, I would take the most extreme ownership of that. And it was like I could never celebrate the wins because, well, I won because of A, B, C and D. And when I lost, it wasn't I didn't have anything to do with with anybody else. And it was all my fault. And that is a recipe for misery and and that's where i was at five months ago and uh you know so when we started the podcast when i was kind of mentioning that you know i'm excited to do this podcast because i actually really have something to share it's not stories from the super bowl or stories of triumph and and victory you know in in between the chalk lines on the football field it's now every day that i wake up i'm not puking in a I'm not puking in a bucket because I'm scared of making a mistake and people might find out that I'm a fraud. It's actually, I wake up every single day and the competition is with myself. And when, when I win, I can actually enjoy that win and, and I can celebrate myself for the first time in my life. And that is a powerful place to be. Mm, I love that. So that's something that Lori and I struggle with is we won't celebrate the wins, right? We will We'll accomplish, 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 and we'll skip right over the win, and, and we'll say, why wasn't the launch bigger? Why wasn't the event bigger? Why wasn't this better? Why wasn't that better? Why is it that we do that to ourselves, do you think? Because we're achievers, you know, and it, it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to always want to push further and, and onward and upward. However, it's a bad thing if you let it impact how you feel about yourself, like intrinsically when nobody's around, let's say there is no Instagram, let's say there is no podcast and let's say it's just you and your opinion of yourself. That's when it becomes a problem. When you start to give away your power to everyone else. And what I mean when I say that is if how you feel about you is predicated on other people's opinion of you, you're not powerful, you're powerless mm -hmm. because you're allowing something outside of yourself to predict how you feel about yourself. And you're never going to win the game of life if, 
if that's the rules that you're playing by. It's impossible. It's impossible to control the uncontrollable. You're right. You're just leaving it, leaving it up to chance and it's not going to work out in your favor. How did you make this shift? Because a lot of people listening, they do the same thing. All they can see is what they didn't do and they forget to celebrate what they did do. How did you make this shift? I was, I was at rock bottom and, and I had a, a person come into my life named uh, Ash Gandahari and he, he acknowledged all the, the amazing things that I did, like all of my accomplishments, but he, he didn't see me for that. He saw me for like the giant heart that I have, which is one of the reasons when Lewis, the first thing he, the first thing he said to describe you was the size of your heart. I'm like, well, I'm going to get along with this guy because <laughs> I don't want to do a podcast with somebody who's, you know, the first thing you say to me is, well, he, he wrote all these books and he's a New York Times bestseller and, you know, he's got an eight-figure business and he, he lives in this neighborhood and drives this car and these are his friends. Like, that's great, but I've done all those things too. So there's really not going to be much of a connection for me because then then I'm going to do a podcast with another conqueror. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm interested in investing my most valuable asset on this planet, which is my time, unless it's going to impact other people. So I don't want to do a podcast with somebody who's going to have a dick measuring contest with me mm-hmm. to see, you know, who's a, who's a bigger, better, tougher, more grandiose bravado man. I played that game and nobody wins. Not, not, conqueror a or conqueror b it's you know what let me build relationships with people who are so much more concerned with how they show up in the world than what they do in the world and and to me the shift was when ash saw all those things in me and he asked me if i would be willing and open to go through um it's called hardcore leadership and and when i showed up to hardcore leadership, I thought it was going to help me become a better um, leader in my business. And I've got a team of 15 people right now, and we're you know we're creating amazing things in the world and impacting you know tens of thousands of lives and generating a lot of money doing it. And I thought, oh, this will be another opportunity for me to build something that nobody else has built before. And I ended up going into that training room thinking that, okay, this is, this is going to be the missing link of, of what's going to make me feel good about myself. And it was so much more than that. And then they, they peel back the layers of, you know, who you think you are and, and what you try to portray, you know, portray to people and they help you to see yourself for who you really are. And, And it was really, really powerful for me because that ecosystem of, of 50 people going through this training at the same time was filled with a a room full of entrepreneurs that had seven figure, eight figure businesses. And it was a very comfortable place for people to talk about um, sexual abuse, to talk about addiction, to talk about like all of these things that we try to, you know, stuff in this box and then put in the back of our brain and never think about again. And to be honest with you, I've never talked about any of the things that that I talked about in that room, but the healing sensation and literally I went from feeling like somebody was standing on my chest to feeling light as a feather. I know that sounds like so cliche even when I say it, but that's the greatest way that I can describe it is like I didn't feel like I was carrying around the weight of the world on my shoulders anymore where I felt like my self-worth was so tied up in the result of what I was doing that if I stopped achieving, I was worthless. And so when you walk away from the NFL and you're not, you know, winning football games anymore, like how do you, how do you gauge your worth anymore? Like, well, I did, you know, I launched this product in October of last year and did $496,000 in four days. And like, yeah, I was super proud of that. But I never celebrated it because very similar to like you and Lori, like I was always looking, I was always like looking at my funnel or looking at my email sequence or looking at like, oh man, well on this sequence, the, this email link didn't work and I'll beat myself up about that. And, and I had been conditioned that way 
um, at a very young age. And it served me well as an athlete, because if you think about like take an NFL coach, for example, like Tom Coughlin, Mm -hmm. legendary coach of the New York Giants, amazing man, we would play a game on Sunday. And then you come in on Monday. And after what in your mind, like, oh, man, I just had the greatest performance of my career. And you're looking forward to coming into the meeting on Monday and having the coach tell you how impactful you were to the team and how they never could have won the game without you. And he breezes over all of the plays that you were perfect. And then the one play that you weren't perfect, he spends 10 minutes coaching you on it. He's not wrong for doing that. But if you're a professional athlete, you're the best in the world, you're expected to have those nine other perfect plays. But he's not doing his job if he doesn't pay attention to the one play that you weren't perfect and coaches you on that. So I began to condition my mind and the way that I would show up in the world to maximize my inadequacies and my imperfections, which made me very, very successful as an entrepreneur, made me very, very successful um, in building my physique. It made me very, very successful as a professional athlete, but it took the joy out of life. And so I would stop celebrating the wins and I would only pay attention to the inadequacies and and to the, the portions of my life that weren't perfect. And so Everything in my life could be perfect except one spot, and that would be the only place that I would feed focus to because I would want to get that perfect too. And you never celebrate anything. There's never joy in life because you're constantly trying to be and show up perfectly. And and that's what kind of pushed me to to drugs and to alcohol and and, and really kind of started the the addictions that I'll probably struggle with for the rest of my life. But now I know why, and I'm so much more self-aware, and I'm so much more conscious of that. And so when I start to kind of have those feelings, now I don't turn to painkillers or, or alcohol or you know smoking weed. I pick up the phone, and I call somebody that, that really sees me for who I am, and I tell them how I'm feeling, and then we're able to, to work through it the same way you know, sharing these things on this podcast with you and, and with your listeners is therapeutic for me. And, and I'm hopeful that it's going to be therapeutic for other people to know that they're not invisible and their problems are not unique. Everybody has them, but I'm just, I'm leading a crusade for alpha men to actually not show weakness, to show vulnerability in order to gain strength and gain mastery of their self. Mm, I love that. And obviously it's needed because your new podcast, when you launched it, it shot to like what, number six in the world in self-help or something like that? Yeah, it was number six in the world. And I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing in the podcast arena. <laughs> it I just really shows don't. your message is needed, you know? Right. And that and that was the feedback that I got. I celebrated that oh. because the reason I was able to celebrate that is that was the first project and the first thing that I've done in my life that didn't accompany a costume or yeah. a mask of me trying to cover up what wasn't perfect about me. So then people would be motivated by Steve because he's got this body or that car or these kids or that wife. He lives in this area code. He does this, that, the other. It was, I didn't talk about any of those things. I mean, I may have mentioned them, but I only mentioned them in reference to the fact that I did all those things and I was probably one of the most empty um, just miserable people ever, but nobody would ever know that on social media. But launching the podcast, honestly, just gives me an opportunity to be able to to talk at length about the struggles that I've had and and to really like on a really intimate level connect with people and let them know that you're not the only person that goes home at night and hates yourself. Steve, this is um, so good, though. I want, I want to make sure everybody catches on whether they are struggling to hide their body, whether they're struggling to hide their business results, whether they're, they're paralyzed because they're not going to try their, their new business or their new anything or their new relationship until they know they're going to get it perfect. I want them to catch what you just said, and that is your entire life, you were celebrated for things that were on the outside, outside accomplishments, but you never celebrated them. The first real thing that you celebrated was when you finally showed up real and authentic and it was in the showing up real that was worth celebrating and got the incredible result of number six in the world. It was not in the exterior stuff that, that you used to lead with. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like I, when I say I celebrated it, 
I didn't celebrate the fact that it was six in the world and I didn't celebrate it that I, you know, I got 2,200 DMs in 24 hours. I didn't celebrate that. I celebrated myself for showing up real to show for showing up like 100% me, like from, from this point in my life moving forward, like uh, I'm not Steve Weatherford. I just want to show up as Steve. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to show up as just myself and and there's power in that. There's yes. power in imperfection. And I think that's something that that men and women need to hear. Like there is power in imperfection. And um, I never would have thought it, but to get that feedback and to spend an entire day like away from my family, an entire day away from my business, an entire day away from all of the things that I have on my plate and just go through and read and reply to every single one of those direct messages was one of the greatest days of my life. (laughs) And I I cried more in that day than I've ever cried in my life. And they were tears of joy for the first time ever. And it felt so freaking good. Wow. It's because you're living in your purpose now. Like this is your real calling. And and if I can say so, I'm just guessing, but I'm kind of guessing that the way, you know, God, the world, set you up was so that you could accomplish all those other things to catch people's attention and then show up the way you're showing up now once you had their attention, right? So if that's what the journey was for, hallelujah, because now you are showing up the way that you were meant to show up and you've got this huge audience to help. Yeah. Um, you know, God works in a mysterious way. Um, it was a painful journey up into this point, but that's that's kind of what generated all of those tears was was all of the pain and all of the struggle and all of the heartache that nobody knew I was going through. None of my teammates, none of my friends, not my mom, not my dad, not my my brothers, not my sister. Nobody knew. And then I I was able to do it and to see that people actually love me more for doing it than for achieving anything else. Like, I think the greatest, and this is gonna sound cliche, and I've never actually never said this before, my greatest achievement is being myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a pretty amazing way to feel about yourself, and it has nothing to do with being on the cover of a magazine, or you know, being invited to the White House, or you know, a Super Bowl or any of those other things that, that I was able to, to do with my physical body. And it was everything I was able to do with my heart. Mm, amen, man. You know, I got to say, I, th- I feel like this side of you, this side of your heart has shown up though, like, like been peeking out or pushing its way out in the past. For example, you won the Walter Payton Award. That's for th- philanthropy, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you've, you've received awards for working at the Boys and Girls Club. Is that right? Yeah, and but the funny thing is, it's that you know you mentioned that, and then that was another one of the things that I felt like I needed to achieve because my dad and I want to state my disclaimer: my dad was an amazing dad. He was a father. He was a friend, but he grew up with a dad that didn't acknowledge him and didn't tell him, "I'm proud of you, great job," and and so that trickled down to me. Um, And so I achieved all these athletic feats and records and et cetera, et cetera. And I still never got that from my dad. And so I said, well, well, my dad is, you know, he's a Christian and, you know, he volunteers and, you know, he really thinks like giving back is an important thing. So let me, let me become the most generous, giving philanthropic person in the NFL. Maybe maybe I'll get that acknowledgement from to my dad. Maybe dad's he'll, attention. Maybe he'll love me then. And so, hey, there you go. There's another goal and there's another achievement. And I did that, and I still wasn't able to to get that from my father. And I was never never able to receive that from my father. So, it might sound great to to look at a, a trophy that the the NFL gives you that you're the most philanthropic guy in the NFL. However, my intention for doing that was to get the attention and the acknowledgement from someone outside of myself. So kind of how we referenced earlier, how 
one of the worst things you can do in giving your power away of how you feel about yourself is to give it to somebody else, even if it's your dad. And even if your dad is an amazing human being, you're still giving your power away. And so I received that award and I still didn't get what I would in my mind, what I needed from my dad in order to feel good about myself. So looking at that trophy, that's, you know, the Walter Payton man of the year award brings back a lot of great memories and a lot of smiles. The, my intention behind doing that was selfish. Now I'm glad that it was what it was instead of like drugs or alcohol. However, that was me trying to to attain something outside of myself to make myself whole. And I'm still very proud of that. But the reason that I went to those great links and invested all of those finances and started my own foundation, it really did make me feel good to, to bring smiles and to buy kids tennis shoes that can't afford shoes and to go to Africa and build a school and a water filtration system. That, that did genuinely and authentically make me feel good. But the more I'm able to peel back the layers of, of the, the costumes and the masks that I wear in my life, the more the intention behind a lot of the actions earlier in my life becomes so much more clear is I was, I was looking for something. I was looking for acknowledgement from something outside of myself. And it was just another example of me giving my power away. And I'm just thankful that you know, that I was able to impact, you know, lots and lots of children by doing that. Um, but at the end of the day, it was because I was giving my power away and looking for acknowledgement from someone outside of myself. So can you participate in philanthropy now from a place of doing it with the right intentions and doing it for oh you? Gosh. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, it's it's different now because before... I, I would show, I would set up these events and I would, you know, I would do all these different, you know, amazing, generous things for people. And the reason I would do them is because it felt really good to see the kids smile and it felt really good to read the newspaper articles in the New York Post or this, that, and the other. But now those newspaper clippings and, and all the smiles and all that other stuff, like it feels good because now it comes from a place of, like true and real heart to serve. Yeah. Like it has those no contingencies smiles. on it now, right? No. Like I'm, I'm giving without the expectation of receiving. Like I don't need to receive the praise and the adoration and I don't need people to write a newspaper article about me or put me on their, you know, their Instagram story or any of that stuff. It's I'm giving to give instead of giving to get acknowledgement and to get love because I, I felt like that love would make me feel whole. But as soon as I would leave the ecosystem of the different fundraisers I'd put together, or, you know, going to Africa and seeing these kids smile and they can't even speak my language, but they speak the language of love. And as soon as I would get back on that plane and fly back to New York, the hate machine would, would turn back on. And it was kind of very similar to my athletic career where these achievements would feel good for the moment. But as soon as nobody was around to tell you how great you were and you were alone with your own thoughts, and they that had no machine value. would turn back on. Exactly. Wow. Wow. What Number one, I'm glad that you're in such a beautiful space now and that you're able to do it for the real reason of giving. I'm curious, and, and there's no right or wrong answer here. I'll tell you my answer in a second. Um, is it better to give in the dark? And, and by that, I mean to do all these acts of philanthropy, to give all this money and to never tell a soul. Or is it better to give out loud where people can see and feel you doing it, maybe it's on social media, so that you can inspire others to do the same or something in between. What's your take on that? That's something I struggled with. Um, and I actually had some conversations with my mom about it. Um, she's the most like faith-grounded person I've ever met in my life. And I always, I was always, I always questioned authority. I always questioned myself. I was just very, I just questioned, you know, I, I never liked to play life by the rules. And, and I always used to ask my mom, I'm like, mom, like, am I fake or like inauthentic if, if I'm doing these things for people and I'm putting it on social media, like sometimes I feel like a fraud or a fake. And she's like, well, you know, God's blessed you. 
with with athletic ability. And God's blessed you with a platform to touch people, and He's blessed you with finances to give. Only you can answer this question. But for me, and I've been your biggest fan since the day you came into this world, it makes me proud because when I see you doing that, that motivates me to leverage anything I have in my life mm. to inspire and motivate and touch and bless other people. So to your answer, I think only the person that asks themselves that question can truly answer it authentically for themselves. Um, but for me, I think it's a combination of the both. Like, yeah, I, I give finances to a lot of places and, and, and projects that nobody knows about, but I also put a lot of it on social media as well, because I don't want people to just see me crushing the entrepreneurial game and giving nothing back because I want people to know that, you know, the 49.99 that they pay to be a membership in, and Weatherford fit and all the, the, the training programs that we provide and the, the personalized coaching that we provide and the nutrition that we provide and the, uh, the recovery that we provide. I want them to know that their money is not going into me driving a really fancy car, me living in a really fancy house. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I played in the NFL for 10 years and I was super blessed financially. I saved all of my money. Their, their money that they're paying is not influencing how I live my life. Mm. But the change that happens in their life absolutely is influencing how I live my life because in order for me to really have the pulse of my community, I have to be involved in social media. Like I don't need or want somebody to manage my social media because then, then I end up putting, I end up creating a disconnect in between myself and the people that I'm serving. And that's the reason that I didn't pay somebody to go through and message all of these people on social media back. I want to do it myself because it means something to me. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I love that. That's certainly how I want to live my life because if I really want to serve people, I need to know what the pulse of my community truly is. I, I love the answer for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you said it's going to be a different answer for everybody based on how they answer it for themselves, I think that's important because there is no one right answer to that question. Number two, me personally, I'm in the school of um, I'm going to give out loud for some, and then some of the giving I do, you're not going to see or you're not going to know. But when I give out loud, it's because I feel like in this day and age with the rise of the entrepreneur and with the rise of the influencer and with all of these stages that we're seeing pop up everywhere where everybody has their events and they're on stage yelling at you to do bigger and think bigger and make more and drive your Ferrari and drive your Lamborghini and, and fly in your private jet and do all these things that are shiny – I feel like it's somebody's responsibility to say, oh, and also give, right? There's people that have not been given the same advantages as you or maybe not the same upbringing as you or had the same lucky streak as you or whatever might have gone into the equation of you becoming you on a successful front. So damn it, you have the responsibility, you meaning you know a handful of us, to shout from these stages, to shout from these podcasts, don't forget to give. And we have to lead by example. So I love your answer, quite honestly. Yeah, I, actually, it's, um, I had that conversation with my, with my mom when I was, I think it was probably back in 2009, when I first left Jacksonville Jaguars and I, I went to New York and, you know, the glitz and the glamour of New York and it just made it there were just so many more people in, in need because there was just so many more people in general. I mean, you got 10 million people on the island of Manhattan and, you know, people think is think of Manhattan as, as fifth Avenue. <laughs> that makes up 1% of the island, you know, mm -hmm. people that are insanely well, well off financially, but there are so many people that are in need. And so I kind of viewed it as God opening up a door for me to enter into an arena of pro sports to leverage that to be able to to give on on an increased level because not only did my you know the the community grow of need but also my finances grew you know I went from being you know probably I don't know maybe twelfth or fourteenth highest paid at my position to number one and 
my finances grew, but also my giving grew as well. But the need was there as well. So that it, you know, it's just like you said earlier, man, it's crazy how opportunities open up to you at the time that it's right for you in your life. And honestly, I think that's why I'm on this podcast right now, because you probably don't remember, but Lewis connected us via text probably, I don't know, maybe a year or a year and a half ago. Actually a year ago, October. I do remember. Yeah. And we were never able to connect. And honestly, I couldn't be more happy that we didn't connect then because my story, my story wasn't done yet. And my story is still not done, but my story is, is not one of triumph and domination. My story now is of authenticity and and vulnerability. And I think that is going to inspire people. But if we would have done this podcast in October of 2017, we might have motivated a few people, but I'm disinterested in motivating. I'm, I'm all about inspiring right now. And, and at that juncture in my life, Chris, I wasn't ready for your show. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I feel like we're going to do really big things from a, a place of inspiration going forward instead of a place of motivation. And and I've grown so much over the past year, and, and it sounds like you've grown so much over the past year. I cannot wait to see what is in store for us one year from now. Uh, just a couple more really quick questions to put a bow on the whole giving and philanthropy conversation. I ask everybody, what is one of your all-time favorite moments of giving that you can remember? Um, it's going to sound, it might, it might come across selfish, but honestly, it's, it's meant to inspire. It's, remember that it's right now. Oh, because yes. I'm, I'm actually able to give something to someone that I was completely scared to death for anybody to even know about. And, and it's to me right now, it's to give the real me to people is to give people Steve instead of Steve Weatherford. So mm. I think it's in this moment that we're in right now. I love that. That's cause that's something anybody can give that might, I, uh, not might be, that is the best answer I have gotten yet in what 200 episodes is you giving what it is that you're giving right now, this authenticity, the, the lifting of the veil, the lifting of the curtain, the sharing of what you struggle with and how you're overcoming it. Anybody can give that. It is the ultimate form of generosity because it's probably the scariest form of generosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say definitely scary because I mean, what happens if you share what you truly feel and what you truly are to somebody and they reject you. Mm, it's scary. It's scary. It, it shouldn't matter. It, right. But it's scary. It should, it shouldn't matter, but it is. I mean, that's why I've never had the courage to do it until now because you know, what, what happens if like the real me is, is not enough. What if, what if they, you know, because I built this whole character, this whole superhero character of, you know, the muscles and the, the, the sports and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I, I give this picture that my life is perfect on social media, but what happens if one day I have the courage to share who I truly am? And what if people don't love me the same way? Mm. Well, listen, if I'm being honest with you, some people might see you in a different way, but the overwhelming majority are going to see you in the most beautiful way. And that is for, for who you really are. And it's no longer going to be a surface. Ooh, I love Steve Weatherford. It's going to be an intrinsic quality connection of, wow, do I love this human being, Steve, who shows up in so many epic, beautiful ways and inspires me to go be the best, most vulnerable version of me. Cause I think that's when we're serving the most. So you're just Man, you're just getting started. Listen, where can we find your podcast? Because every single human being needs to go switch from this show to your show and follow this journey that you're taking everybody on. Well, I'm excited, man, because they're going to see you pop up on an episode real soon, man. I'm oh, I can't to wait. See you in, in Columbus next week and spend some time with you. Um, my show is called the the Steve Weatherford Show. The first episode that we did. Um, last week aired on Monday and it was my wife and I, and it was so much fun, so much so that I think she's going to end up being a normal co-host with us. And it's going to be kind of hard with, it's going to be hard with our schedules um, to be able to make sure that we have somebody to watch the kids. And you might hear some kids screaming in the background from time to time, but honestly, that's, that's kind of like my life now. You know, I'm, I'm finally 
um, comfortable enough to share like the real me and the real me has a whole bunch of kids. And uh, so, yeah, the, back to the podcast, it's the Steve Weatherford show. My social media is at Weatherford five. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that when people listen to this, if they do have any questions about anything I've been through, if it resonates with you, if you connect with it, if you just have questions about it, send me the direct message. I will be the one reading it. I will be the one replying to you. I take extreme ownership of my social media because I know that is my direct line to people who need me the most. And for the first time ever, people will get the real 100% version of Steve and not the ESPN version of Steve Weatherford. So I'm just really, really excited to be able to share myself with people the way that I've never done it before. And Chris, I cannot thank you uh, enough for giving me a comfortable enough um, environment container to be able to to be who I am and and talk about you know where I want to go in life and who I want to impact and and the way that I want to inspire people to to just be themselves because you can never fail at being yourself. No, it's impossible because it's who you are. Steve, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your emotional moments, for your real and raw moments, for for just bearing your soul to everybody because I don't care all the other conversations I've had. Of course, there's massive value in them, but these are the conversations that change people's lives. These are the conversations that save people's lives. And it's because of, of the way that you are willing to come on here and show up. So I cannot thank you enough, my friend. Well, I love what you do, Chris, man. And I'm just, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to add what you've built here with with the tribe of people that just want to go out and live a big life and, and live it the way that they want to live it on their own terms, being themselves and uh, just encouraging men to, you know, to be vulnerable, man, be real because there is power in vulnerability. So I, I really do appreciate the opportunity. I love it, man. We're just getting started. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.